0: Hey friends, welcome! I'm glad you're tuning in today. It's so good to see all of you. I know you're going to start popping in there, and I can't wait to see who is up. Some of you are watching it live at 10 o'clock on Wednesday morning. Others are watching this later in the week or in the day. Some of you are on YouTube, some Facebook. Um, some of you are listening on a podcast, so however you are tuning in, welcome. I'm so glad you are here. You know, we are taking a deep dive into the fruit of the Spirit during this study. I introduced the Spirit, a fruit of the Spirit, a few weeks ago, and then we moved into love and joy, and today it's all about peace. And here is what our goal is we are trying to learn to spill fruit (laughs) and that is a good thing isn't it i want to see how you are spilling (laughs) are you spilling good fruit because that's our goal is to learn what all of the fruit is and to learn how to receive it and how the Holy Spirit can produce it and how we can spill it. So anybody, are you spilling fruit? (laughs) So many of you are tuning in, I love it. Well, I also want to know what lane you're driving in. We learned last week to drive in the right lane down the righteous road. How are you doing with it? Hey folks, how are you doing with it? Give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Are you staying in the right lane, that right lane, the righteous road that's going right toward Jesus, going toward righteousness? I hope so. I'm seeing some thumbs up. I hope you are doing that. We're all supposed to try to do that anyway. Well, is anybody having any left lane issues where all those things, those troubles, those worries, those pesky people are interfering with our life. Anybody having trouble in the left lane this week? Tell me. (laughs) I see some of you say you're trying to stay in the right lane, but others keep veering over, don't they? Veering over. Oh, it's good to see that you're trying. That's what we're expected to do. Let's review the fruit of the Spirit. That is what the Holy Spirit produces in the life of the believer. And did you know that generally what this means is that the Holy Spirit produces it in us to use and to spill out in our relationships with other people. Just think about all these fruit, the, the nine categories. What if we just held it in? What if we just held it all in and we didn't spill it and we didn't share it? You see, that defeats the whole purpose, doesn't it? And so we're supposed to be spilling it. All right, let's review. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit in us, and what are they? Just say it right there in your home or wherever you're watching or listening. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what we're learning about. We're going to look today at spilling peace, but before we can spill it, we have to have it, don't we? So let's figure out what it is. Peace is really a puzzling thing. You might feel as if one day you have it, and the next day your world is falling apart. You, you might be watching this today, and, and you are wrestling today. You're wrestling to find true peace. You're trying to find peace in a world of chaos. You may have a restless mind. You may have be living in a restless world, and you're struggling for peace. It could be chaos of any kind, from media headlines. Oh, anybody. No. Just, I can't deal with it. Social media, Uh, does it steal your peace? Maybe uh, chaos with friends or family members or work or the state of your relationships or the state of our country, the state of your health, the state of the world. There are all kinds of things that come at us from the left lane of life trying to rob us of our peace. Well, here is what Paul, oh, and by the way, I emailed the group in my uh, Bible study, the Women of Worth, the uh, scriptures for this lesson. If you are watching now and you want to pause and you want to get the scripture because you didn't have it and you... Aren't on that email list? Just email me or message me right here on wherever you're watching, and I will send these to you because we're going to go over a lot of scripture. So here is what Paul said in his letter to the Philippians. He writes, "Don't worry about anything; instead, pray." See, pray is the antidote for worry. It's the treatment. It's the treatment for worry. And he says, "Don't worry about anything." He said. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He's done. And then the word then. So circle that word then. As a result of that, you will experience God's peace. That's how you'll get the healing. So let's put it together. You're worrying and you're living in chaos. So you do pray and leave it with Him. And then you get the healing. See, we have to do something to get that healing, don't we? And it says, which exceeds anything. That we can understand we don't get it do we his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Jesus Christ that's what he promises so peace is this conviction that no matter what happens to me I have this opportunity to deepen my trust in God and that's where we live in peace, that we know that God is ultimately in control. We we want to learn to do this, to shape those worries into prayers. So take all those worries and just bundle them up into this package of prayers, put those down on paper, and then... Give them over and let his true peace reside in your minds and in our hearts. It takes both of those places for it to live. So I want to encourage you right now to look at the worries in your life. Look at how you can shape them into prayer. So just on that, that handout or another piece of paper, that trusty notepad you keep with you, just write down the things you're worried about. Your son your daughter your your husband your wife your friend uh, the money your health the world the whatever just write it down and then you're going to begin to shape those into prayers and here here is how how it works because Jesus healed a woman we read in Luke 8 he he healed her and then he responds to her and says go in peace see so here's the pattern again we take the worries and the chaos we put those into prayers and then god said god says i will give you healing if you just let me hold on to those and then i want you to go in peace that's what he says the worry the prayer the healing the peace write those down the worry the prayer the healing, and then the peace. Now, in the Jewish culture, that statement, go in peace, was a very common farewell. It was almost like saying, see you soon, see you later. (laughs) Later alligator, go in peace. But Jesus demonstrated that this three-word statement can change everything in your life because what he asked this woman to do that he healed is he said, I want you to go out now. Because I've healed you. And I want you to demonstrate peace with your testimony. Okay, we're going to have some light bulb moments for us. We're going to shift our thinking. And so we're going to have some paradigm shifts here. Look at what he told her. Now, you've given it to me. I've given you peace. And now I want you to show that into the world. That's what he asked us to do. That's the testimony I want. It's what I want. I want others to see in me that no matter what is going on in my life, that I am spilling peace because I have trusted God with the chaos. That's what we want. Do you want that too? Does anybody want that? Please. Let's want that, and then let's figure out how to get that. So Jesus not only wants to heal our own condition, whatever it is, and you've written those down, this is my condition. Uh, You're going to the great physician with your condition, and you write it down. But he wants to give us this peace. It's a courageous peace. And so we want to look at peace today in three areas. First of all, peace with God, peace with ourselves, and then peace with others. We'll spend most of our time with peace with others because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to spill the peace. So first, let's, let's figure out peace with God. Peace with God is the foundation for peace in every other area of our lives. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We learn that in Isaiah 9, Verse verse 6, he's the Prince of Peace, and it's only through a relationship with him that we are ever going to have this true long-term commitment, contentment, contentment. So peace is that third in the list of the, the fruit of the Spirit. It's the third. Every heart yearns for this, to live in peace, and Jesus has promised we can have it. Look at what he says in John 14, verse 27. Peace, I leave with you. Peace, I leave with you, he said. My peace, I'm giving you. That's what he said to his disciples when he was leaving them. He said, you're going to have, have me in you, and it's going to be peace. Now, the Greek word for peace is eirene, eirene, and, and in this verse, that word means more than just not having con- con- uh, conflict in your life. He's not just saying, I'm going to leave you a life without conflict. He didn't say that. It means more than that. And do you know what else? It means more than just being quiet and still and at rest because that's what some of us might think. A life of peace is where nobody's bothering us. <laughs> nobody's around. Nobody's stirring up anything. But what this word, a the Greek word that Jesus, that uh, is interpreted in scripture means having a peace that gives us, write this down, tranquility. Don't you love that word, tranquility, tranquility in your heart that originates from the understanding that your life is truly in the hands of a loving God. Think of peace as tranquility, tranquility. That means in spite of, well, it means that you are experiencing quiet in your inner self. Mm, quiet in your inner self. So peace is tranquility and quiet in your inner self that only comes from the relationship you have with Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3 verse 11 explains this process of getting peace. I'm reading this from the Amplified Version, which offers explanations uh, in in Scripture. It, It gives parentheses to explain what the Scriptures mean. And here's what it says, Let him and circle this word, search for peace, and circle this word, seek it eagerly. Do not merely, and circle this, desire peaceful relations with God, with your fellow men, and with yourself, but, circle this word, pursue, go after them. Did anybody learn anything there? Did anybody figure out how to get peace? Did you hear the distinction between desiring peace and pursuing it? Did you hear in that passage that peace is something we pursue or go after, we seek it, and it is not something we just wish to happen? Do you ever just wish peace would just come over you like fog on an early morning? It would just come over you? That's wishful thinking. That's not biblical. It doesn't happen that way. This verse says we have to search for it. We have to seek it. Pursue is such a strong word. It requires action. It requires doing whatever it takes to get and maintain peace in our lives. This should be a paradigm shift for us. We think, oh, I just want God's peace. I just want his peace to wash over me. Well, you know, that can happen and it will happen and he wants to give that to us and that's what he produces in us. But we often have to sort through things and give up things in order to get that peace that washes over us. It means that we don't always get our way in an argument. It means we don't always get the last word. It means that we're not always right but we're always to be righteous. It requires us to trust God even more with the people in our lives. So Christ has given it to us and will produce it in us, but we have to actively search for it and seek it out and pursue it. See, God took the initiative in pursuing peace with us by sending his son to earth. Jesus, our Prince of Peace. And He's the one who gives us peace with God. That's why we pursue our relationship with Him. We pursue a relationship with Him in order to have peace. We pursue peace by getting rid of all the junk in our mind and in our hearts and in our relationships and giving those over to Him. Peace with God means our conscience is cleared, it means it's cleared of sin. It's cleared of wrongdoing and and maintaining, as Christians, maintaining a sense of peace means that we keep our ongoing sins and failures confessed because that's cleaning out the junk in our lives, the chaos as we're pursuing peace. Born again believers live in this ongoing attitude of repentance so that sin will not take root within us. and and defile us. But unconfessed sin is what mars our fellowship. It mars our peace. And that's what it, it gets between us and our Heavenly Father. So how do we pursue peace with God? We stay in the right relationship with Him. And we keep this attitude of repentance. And we don't let sin take root in our lives because when we let sin stay inside, we won't have peace. So when we carry around grudges and bitterness and hatred and a bad attitude and uh, unhealthy thinking, anything that is uh, coming between us and God it is going to prevent us from having peace in our lives. Now, that's how to pursue peace with God. So, so far we've learned to give our worry and our sin to God and to accept and to pursue his peace. All right, that's the first part. Next, we need to pursue peace with ourselves. Now, here's what that, how that looks. The Bible tells us that we are to love ourselves so that we can love God and others. Look at James 2, verse 8. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. See the love, goes, it's double there. You love yourself and you love your neighbor. Now, this may be a funny uh, question to ask you, but what kind of relationship do you have with yourself? Did some of you just go, oh no. What kind of relationship do you have? The truth is we can't get along with others if we can't get along with ourselves. Oh, what does that mean? Are you critical of yourself? Do you live in constant insecurity? Do you loathe looking at yourself? Do you belittle yourself? Do you consistently compare yourself to others? Do you bemoan what you don't have and live with envy about what others have? Or are you living with the scars and the abuse and the history of bad choices that you've just never really dealt with or are you, have you looked at yourself as a victim of circumstances and situations and you don't have a healthy view of self? If any of those things are true, then I encourage you to do the work to let go of the self-loathing and the criticism of self. I encourage you to find out what God says about you in his word. Let's look at Psalm, um, and I think I've given it wrong in the handout. It's actually Psalm 139, uh, 139, verse 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and your works are wonderful, and I know that full well, the scripture says. We are to love the, the self he created, We are to love what He loves, and that means self, because He loves me. So if you're struggling to have peace with who you are, you're probably struggling with having peace with God and with others. And so we want to then ask God to help you change your self-image, because why are you criticizing what God made? How dare we do that? How dare we criticize what he made? If there are things we need to fix in our lives, then we need to do the work to fix those. But hating the self and being critical of ourself, when God is saying, I love you, he says, come just as you are and let me love you. Enjoying life and enjoying other people All begins with knowing who God is and who God says you are and truly liking yourself. Okay, granted on any day, we're going to be done with self. Oh, I get so tired of self sometimes. So, you you know, like we want to tell ourselves, self, just calm down here. Nobody wants to be around you. That is different from loathing self, not wanting to look at ourselves in a mirror without... Uh, uh, grimacing or or being so critical of who we are and, and downgrading things uh, ourselves by what we say about ourselves—that's the heart of what we're getting to. Love self by accepting who He created you to be and knowing who He created you to be, knowing your personality and your spiritual gifts and all the wonderful assets and pursue a daily life of living with the strengths that God has given. All right, so let's review so far. We're first to have peace with God, and that's done through a right relationship with Him. It's one of faith and trust and obedience. It's one where we allow the Holy Spirit to guide our thoughts and our feelings and our words and our actions and all the choices that we make. Then we are to focus on self peace and liking ourselves. Now we're set up for the rewarding part, but probably the hardest part, and that's spilling peace all along the righteous road. Well, here's where I would say you're granted permission to spill. Spill ahead. (laughs) that's a sign. Isn't that a sign? I would love to be able to just have this invisible sign on everybody that says spill ahead. That means, hey, they're getting ready to spill good things. I want to be there. Let me be in front of that spill. Do y'all get that? I hope you're finding humor in that. Let me know. Uh, Let me know if you like that. Spill ahead. Remember. This is the road we travel every day, that righteous road, and we're moving closer to God where we're praising Him in all circumstances and through all the emotions of life and all the distractions and all the wild and crazy people who are traveling in the left lanes of our life, and we're supposed to be spilling love and joy and peace He's asking a lot of us, isn't he? But that's what we're supposed to do. And it can be exciting every day to get up and think about, how am I going to spill today? And thank you so much for your responses. I know you're out there when you when you uh, respond. So the third aspect of peace, after having peace with God and peace with ourselves, is having peace with others. So I want to go over 13 passages that speak of Peace and the key points from each of those. And they're going to tell us the things we can do to be at peace before God and within ourselves and as well as living at peace with everyone. All right, let's get started. Number one, we're going to learn in Hebrews 12, verse 14, that holiness equals peace. We read, try to live... In peace with everyone, and try to keep your lives free from sin, anyone whose life is not holy will never see the Lord. So we are at peace with God when we keep our lives free from sin, and that, that means that we are becoming holy. That's what it means. We're becoming pure and holy as God is. So this passage refers to living a holy life, and that means being set apart, being different. We're constantly to, to be pursuing holiness as we, we live in that right lane. So pursuing holiness then equals being at peace with everyone. Well, let's look at how to do that. Number two says, obey the Holy Spirit. Well, here, here's what that means. It's found in Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of, of, that the Spirit produces. So we have to be obedient to him if we're going to produce the fruit in our lives. And that is the, the list of the nine uh, traits uh, that are uh, uh, the, of the fruit. We, we obey him. We obey him so he can produce the fruit. Living in peace with others cannot be done without the help of this Holy Spirit within us producing the peace, He, the fruit. He alone can produce the real fruit of peace in us. But we need to be obedient to his guidance when it comes to living in conflict with other people. So obedience to the Holy Spirit. Number three, live, live in peace. Live in it. So, I mean, if you're watching, you're, you're living. <laughs> so what does that mean? Living. That means all the time. We live in this peace all the time. Oh, goodness. Is that news to anybody? <laughs> See, for those who are thinking, oh, I just wish I had it. Wish I could find it. You know, Where is it? Why doesn't he give it to me? <laughs> it says we're supposed to live in it. And so here's what Romans 12, verse 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Well, let's be real. It's hard to be at peace with everyone, isn't it? Some of the crazies out there don't want you to be at peace with them. But this says, as far as it concerns me, as far as it's possible, I'm supposed to do everything to live at peace with people. I have to live in peace whether they want it or not. They don't have to receive it. They don't have to receive what I spill, but I'm responsible for living in peace. So, you know, that's again, we have to stay in that peace. I have to do my part. I'm responsible for being peaceful and exhibiting God's spirit at all times. Yes, everyone. (laughs) All right, number four is let peace hold you together. Oh, I love this image. Let's let's look at Ephesians four verses one through three. So, as a prisoner for the Lord, I beg you to live the way God's people should live, because He chose you to be His. See, we're chosen people. He says, "You're mine." And so we need to live for Him. And so I'm going to give you a list of characteristics that are going to say how we're to live. So circle the character traits as I read in Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient and accept each other with love. Are you, you are joined together with peace through the Holy Spirit. Do all you can to continue as you are, letting peace hold you together. Paul begs us to live the way we are supposed to live because God chose us to be in his family and he wants everybody to play nicely. (laughs) Did you ever say that in your home? Did your parents tell you that? Or did you tell your kids that? Every teacher says it, be nice play nicely. That's what we do when we live in peace. But here's what it involves. Go ahead and call out loud those things, those character traits. It means we have to be humble, don't we? And we need to be gentle and patient and accepting of other people and act loving because we are knit together in this family. And God's created spirit of peace that's what has knit us together. We're all connected that way. So now begin to think of peace as this thread. Think of it as a thread. Okay, not one of those those pieces of thread, perhaps that breaks easily, that won't get us, get us very far, but let's think of something else. What is the strongest kind of thread you can think of? You know, fishing wire's pretty strong, isn't it? Other kinds of thread that holds up mirrors Those things that hold things together, think about that. How strong is your peace thread? Because that is what is connecting us to everybody in our lives. Hold fast to your thoughts of peace and let that thread guide us through all the storms and all the chaos of all the relationships of life. Isn't that a beautiful image? threads of peace all right number five always think peace so this next verse shows us that in every circumstance we're to be thinking peace let our relationships with others be driven to thinking that what we do in every situation is going to bring peace Wow, that's hard It's hard. But if we begin every conversation with peace over conflict, contentment over chaos, if we're thinking in those terms, then we're letting the Holy Spirit work in the situation. Read what it says in Colossians 3 verse 15. Let the peace that Christ gives control your thinking. You know, these aren't just words on a page, are they? This is how we're to live. Let the peace Christ gets control. Everything that you're thinking about. It is for peace that you were chosen to be together in one body. It's for peace. And then look what the, it, the uh, brackets say. This refers to the body of Christ, the church. He's specifically addressing that issue at the church in Colossae. And then always be thankful. If we're going to live in peace, the peace of Christ must control our thinking. This means that God's peace and his love needs to fill our mind so that we are constantly thinking relationship over being right. Relationship over being right. Righteousness over being right. And then we need to renew that mind daily with peace so that we're on autopilot. When we go out for the day, well, if we ever get to go out for the day, (laughs) we are on autopilot when we're hurt, when we're offended, when we're disappointed, when anybody says anything that is an affront to us. We're on autopilot to extend, extend peace. Now, I'm not talking in any of this about letting people run over us and not setting healthy boundaries. No, that's not what this is about. This is about how to use boundaries appropriately so that you can live in peace. It's how to respond to people who are are being curt and angry and ugly in a way so that you've set a healthy boundary and that you're living in peace as you respond. And then what we do, he closes that verse by saying, and then we find the thanksgiving. Because remember, that's how we live in joy. That's how we enjoy. We, re, we have joy so that we can enjoy and rejoice. And that's what we do when we have peace. And then look at verse, I mean, number six, fellowship with like-minded people. Let's make sure we understand fellowship, being in relationship and being in companionship with like-minded people. Second 2 Timothy 2.22 says, stay away from the evil things a young person like you Okay, so some of you are thinking I'm not so young, but remember Methuselah was 969 years old. So think of yourself as young. So not like the young person wants to do. Do your best to live right and to have faith, love, and peace together with others who trust in the Lord with pure Hearts. So we find that our lives will be filled with peace when we fellowship with like-minded people who engage in right living and pursue a peaceful lifestyle. Isn't it comforting to know? Now, that doesn't mean that we avoid other people that don't think exactly the way that we do. But this is where we we rev up our engine, where we get refueled, where we we get our energy, where we get ideas, where we get support and love and companionship. So that when we're out in the world and dealing with people who are not like-minded, then we're ready. We are on autopilot to deal with them. Are you following me on that one? That's the difference between being isolated only with people that are like us and being able to live with people who are different from us because we have have saturated our relationships with like-minded followers of Christ. Number seven, exercise godly wisdom. James 3, verses 17 and 18 says, but the wisdom that comes from God is like this. So get ready to circle those traits of wisdom. First, it is pure. It is also peaceful, gentle, and easy to please. This wisdom is always ready to help people who have trouble and to do good for others. This wisdom is always fair and honest. People who work for peace in a peaceful way get the blessings that come from right living. Oh my goodness, take that one right there, write it out on another peaceful pa- piece of paper. People who work for peace in a peaceful way get the blessings that come from right living. See, godly peace is now always based on God's wisdom found in scripture. That's why I've given you so many passages that describe what it's like to live in peace. You'll never feel peace if you're if your choices in life are not based on biblical principles. James tells us God's wisdom brings us peace, and that it looks like this. It's pure, it's gentle, it's easy to please, it's ready to help, and it does good, and it's fair, and it's honest. So using godly wisdom means right living, and that brings us peace. And notice what happens. Notice what happens when you spill peace to others. Say it, say it right now, wherever you are. Say what happens. The part of this verse says at the end, We get blessings. We get blessings. Those are spiritual blessings we get. We get contentment and joy and peace and love within us when we learn to use God's wisdom from Scripture to live a peaceful life. Number eight, let go of offenses. Matthew 5. Verses 23 through 25 says, So what if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that someone has something against you? Leave your gift there and go make peace with that person. Then come and offer your gift. So when we're getting ready to do something, use our gifts and service in our our financial means for others and we are so excited that we get to do this and this is who we are and we're giving and we remember, oh no, I have junk going on in my relationships. We need to get it cleaned up. That's what it says. We cultivate a peaceful lifestyle by resolving conflict with others before going into the presence of God. We must not carry malice and hatred, and strife into his presence. Instead, we need to come with a peaceful heart and with thanksgiving. So we work to live at peace with others by doing this, by practicing the principle of unilateral forgiveness. What does unilateral mean? It's without agreement from the other side. It's forgiving others before they ask for it and without even hearing them express sorrow. That's what it says. We must not go around expecting people to always know they've hurt your feelings. (laughs) Some people don't know. They're clueless. They're not in the same place you are on the righteous road. They just don't know. And so, Before we dare go and start going over all the offenses, sometimes we need to work through those in relationships, but other times we just need to practice forgiving. We say in the South, God love her heart. She just didn't know better, and I need to forgive her. One mark of a mature Christian is the ability to forgive those who are not even aware they need forgiveness. So stay peaceful by cultivating cultivating this habit of being a forgiving person who lets go of these offenses quickly and moves forward. All right, number nine, say no to revenge. This is how we live in peace with those who've hurt us. Romans 12, 14 through 19 says, if someone does you wrong, don't try to pay them back by hurting them. Try to do what every, try to, Try to do what everyone thinks is right. Do the best you can to live at peace with everyone. How many times have we read that in scripture? My friends, don't try to punish anyone who does wrong to you. Wait for God to punish them with his anger. (laughs) That is a thing worth waiting for, isn't it? To have peace, we have to put on this attitude of peace in our relationships. And that means that we don't seek to hurt people who've hurt us. Peace waits and trust. Now we'll get into patience next week, but that's what it does. To have this attitude of peace is to be loving and understanding and kind and humble. Number ten. Watch your tongue. Okay. Uh, no. 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 Don't. Don't tune it out now. No. You don't go away. <laughs> watch your tongue. Titus three verse two. Tell them not to speak evil of anyone, but to live in peace with others. They should be gentle and polite to everyone. We have a few people we want to send that to, don't we? Look at what our tongues are supposed to avoid doing. We're we're not supposed to talk about others. We're not supposed to gossip and tear tear down others. See, we're supposed to avoid arguments and be peaceful. And we're supposed to be gentle. And and let me tell you about that word, that gentle word. It it comes from a a Greek word called uh, apiikios. Apiikios. And it means Listen to this, sweet reasonableness. That's what it means. Oh, when I discovered that, I thought, that's what I want. I want to have a sweet reasonableness. And let's reason together in a sweet way. Isn't that a beautiful way to consider gentleness? So believers aren't supposed to be violent and hot-tempered. And believers are supposed to extend this kindness. And the word kindness is the Hebrew term hesed, which means loving kindness, which is a fruit of the spirit. That's how we deal with people. You know, we just can't dog people. We just can't gossip and talk about people and expect to live in peace. Number eleven is close to it. It says, "Mind your own business." It's in the Bible, First Thessalonians four eleven. Do all you can to live at peace, a peaceful life. Mind your own business. You can say that now to people and say it's in the Bible. And earn your own living as we told you before. One way to do all we can do to live in peace is just to mind our own business. We'll find that life is far more peaceful if we know what to be concerned about rather than (laughs) poke-nosing. I like that. Poke-nosing and gossiping about the affairs of others. Now, this doesn't mean that we should not Be concerned about others and be concerned about their needs and their welfare. That's minding the right business, isn't it? But we have to stay clear of things that don't concern us and know when to zip it. Oh, sometimes I struggle with that because, you know, cholerics, we think we know everything. We can tell everybody how to live. And I have to temper that with myself. Number 12 is to stay salty. See, Mark 9 verse 50 says, salt is good. Tell that to your doctor but if it loses its salty taste you can't make it good again so don't lose the good quality of salt you have and live in peace with each other I see the good quality of salt it's its ability to influence anything it comes in contact with that's why we're supposed to be salty and once it's added to something, it it disperses that quality to enhance the flavor and taste of everything it comes in contact with. Now, remember this, the meat can be salty, but the salt can never be meaty. See, salt is the thing that influences the meat. Staying salty, therefore, means staying influential When we don't live in peace with those around us, we lose our saltiness, our good influence towards them. All right, and now number 13, stay fearless. John 14, uh, 27 says, I leave you peace. It is my own peace I give you. I give you peace in a different way than the world does. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. So a person who is at peace has nothing to fear. And similarly, when we live in peace with others, our consciences are are guilt-free and we have nothing to fear in the world. We bring Jesus into the atmosphere when we're living at peace with him. And that eliminates our fears and our troubles. So expose him to the light. Bring him in because he gives us his peace and we want to give it to others. So we share it with others. Well, winding down, let's remember, we first need peace with God and then peace with ourselves, and then peace with others as we spill fruit all over the place. Well, I want to close with this poem that I wrote years ago after some disappointment and sadness and heartache and grief and and like you, I was I was living in the day in in what we can call it today, and I was dreaming of tomorrow, but I was so aware of all the times in the past that have been filled with troubled waters. And you'll see in the poem I came to realize that life is full of these ebbs and flows. And we're going to go in and out of heartache and good times and hard times, but God is always present to help me stay the peace with Him, myself, and with others, and I've called it Stay the Peace. I live today dreaming of tomorrow, aware of the past, dreams of sandy beaches, happy holidays, mountain retreats, glorious vistas, magic sunrises once again, are sometimes interrupted with thoughts of yesteryear. When smooth sailing turned into troubled waters, with rough and choppy waves thrashing on my shore, when the natural rise and fall of the tide was interrupted by the crashing of wave upon wave upon wave, wave. and when clouds burst forth with showers of sorrow and heartache, then... God calmed the seas, and the constant ebb and flow returned. And now I glide along through safe and glistening waters with timely pauses to see new waves are rushing toward me to devour me once again, yet always returning to the now with faith that God's hand will hold the rushing water and stay the peace. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you that you stay the peace. Help us today to pursue your peace, to love ourselves, and to spill peace to others. In your holy name, through the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Oh, my goodness. I love you all. Go in peace.